Jesus Christ challenges Nicodemus's thinking, and he's a Pharisee, a separated one. This is a really interesting day today as we study John chapter 3. What does it mean to be born again? Very good. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Him. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. In about two minutes, we'll study that and more. But Corey and Reiner here. Corey? Tension today. We're going to be taking a look at tension between the Jewish population and the Samaritan population during the life of Jesus, right? Well, during Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus in John 3, Jesus refers to the bronze serpent that Moses uh, lifted up in the wilderness. So today, you and I are going to turn back to Numbers 21 to see what Jesus was talking about. Yeah, that's really, really good, really interesting. Anyway, Janice. Today, like Nicodemus. All right, very good. So get your Bible out. We got to go fast. And we are talking about John 3. Let's listen. John 3, 1 through 13. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know, and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. John chapter 3 and 4. We've slowed down just a little bit to grasp what God is saying through the gospel of John. Now, this is fascinating. Like Nicodemus... It is all too easy for us to misunderstand the meaning of the phrase, born again. Many may equate it with the word Christian without considering its meaning. We take for granted what it means and we move on. When we really think about it thoroughly, it is far from a platitude, but it is deeply meaningful phrase 
representing the transforming work of Christ in our lives. It is a deep spiritual truth that is best represented by a physical reality, in this case, birth. The Gospel of John has a much more overtly spiritual focus than other Gospels. John seems to be aiming to get us spiritually engaged with God on a different level. He challenges us here with his conversation to Nicodemus. He's talking to Christ. And through Nicodemus, he was a teacher of Israel, a Pharisee. He needed the transforming work of Christ. As Nicodemus took time away from the pressures and the busyness of his life and approached Jesus by night, let us also take time away from our everyday life, our cares and concerns, to consider the teachings of our Savior in John chapter 3. And I say that with all due respect to understand that all of us are busy. But take your Bible guide and spend the next few minutes with us and let's focus on this and ask God to speak to us. Call us or write to us if you don't have a Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and, we'll, and you can download it. Thank you for your donations. We really, really appreciate them. But let's pray today. Born again. What in the world is this about? You know, what does that mean? We hear that said by people. We don't know what that means. Father, I pray today that you spoke to Nicodemus 2,000 years ago that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today so we would understand what you said and what you mean. In the name of Jesus Christ, be with people who are not born again right now, who are watching. And may they hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's the important part to remember. John chapter 3 is a conversation that is captured and Jesus is talking to a Pharisee, a teacher of Israel, a separated one. Here's what the Lord says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? I mean, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, pay attention because I'm telling the truth. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is fascinating. Jesus Christ challenged Nicodemus about his thinking. When we come to Jesus, we think differently than before. Now, remember, as a Christian, we are people who have our spirits now suddenly alive. And we're, we're, we're kind of different, and, and God's spirit makes us unique. But we begin to think a little differently because we're now thinking about our eternal purpose, not our purpose just here on earth. Now, some people are preoccupied with their purpose here, but we are thinking about eternity or God's kingdom, not the kingdom of man here. 
And so that becomes important. So he challenges Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, I want you to think about this. You are a teacher of Israel. You're not to think about man's teaching. You are to think about what God's teaching is. Now, this is a lot for Nicodemus, but uh, it's interesting. Let's go on and read more about what he said in John chapter 3, verse 6. Here's what it says. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? (laughs) You see, when our spirits are alive through Jesus, the Holy Spirit directs us. We cannot understand God in our own human thinking. We must think with the mind of Christ. Beloved, we must think with the mind of the Lord. And when we read the Bible, not as a Christian, we're kind of like reading it. Well, this doesn't make sense. But then when we come to know Jesus Christ and we realize our spirits are awakened and, and the Holy Spirit helps us, then the Bible has a whole new meaning to it. Now, this is very interesting to talk about, but we need to focus on the fact that God was talking to Nicodemus. And he's saying, listen, I need you to pay attention. Nicodemus was a religious teacher. He was a man teaching the Jews. He was like, well studied in the law and everything else. And Jesus talks to him like this. Isn't that interesting? There's something about your spirit. Well, let's go on because John 3.10 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. I'm going to read that again. We speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Oh my goodness, fascinating. Nicodemus needed to be born again of the Spirit to understand heavenly things. Nothing is as it seems. God is moving and in control. And you would say, well, Sure doesn't look like God's in control right now. Have you seen the world and they're going to war over here and they're going to war war over there and we're all dying and all this? Yes, God is in full control because my heart and my spirit, I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where my real passport is, is in heaven. And it does not matter what happens here on earth because I am always with the Lord. Dead or alive. I'm never dead. My spirit's always alive because of the great, wonderful gift of God through Jesus Christ. I would say to you today, why are you dead when you can be alive? Understand Jesus Christ is the Lord. Understand he will come into your heart and he will make you well. Pray and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. I need you today. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. This is what I pray. Amen. God will come in and show you how he died on the cross and rose again, and you will be forever alive.
We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. All right, so John chapter four talks about Jesus interacting with a woman from Samaria, from the, from the territory of the Samaritans. And this was something that was surprising because Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And we see that reflected uh, a few times in the gospels, right? Even, even the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was seen as an enemy of the Jewish people. And yet the, the, the parable is very ironic, isn't it? Because it's the enemy of the Jewish people who ends up being the neighbor the true neighbor in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But why? Why was there such animosity between Jews and Samaritans of the day? Well, it turns out it's, vo it's both religious and physical. Take a look. The nation of northern Israel was taken over by the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. The Assyrians then launched a program of banishment and resettlement on the population of Israel's capital city, Samaria. Many of the inhabitants of Samaria and its surrounding environs were deported into the Assyrian Empire, and exiles from other captured nations were resettled in Samaria. 2 Kings 17 tells us that the native Israelites remaining in Samaria intermarried with the new settlers, and what resulted was a hybrid culture with many religions. Worship to God coexisted with, and may have even been altered by pagan worship. The result was an ever-widening schism between the Samaritans and their brother Israelites and Judeans. The Samaritans held the first five books of the Bible as sacred, but they altered some of its details. Instead of Jerusalem or Shiloh as important places in early Israel, they began to teach that everything actually happened at Mount Gerizim, a mountain with biblical significance and within their territory. In the first century AD, it was said by the historian Josephus that the Samaritans had actually built a copy of the Jerusalem temple on Mount Gerizim. Modern archaeologists have now confirmed the presence of a temple on Mount Gerizim. A large, square, sacred precinct still exists, with evidence of storage rooms, large cisterns, and hundreds of thousands of sacrificed kosher animal bone fragments. Coins, religious inscriptions, and a golden bell have all helped date the temple to the time of biblical Nehemiah in the 5th century BC. A marriage between the brother of the high priest in Jerusalem and the daughter of Sanballat, governor of Samaria, sparked outrage in Jerusalem. Samaritans, by that point, were considered Gentiles. So the high priest's brother had to choose between his wife and the priesthood. Instead, Sanballat came up with another idea. The Samaritans would build their own temple and his son-in-law could be the high priest. While obviously solidifying the tension between those two people groups, this temple flourished for a few hundred years, finally being destroyed in the second century BC. So we hope that helps deepen your understanding and, and maybe even the interest level of, of the accounts in the Gospels where Samaritans come into play. You know, taking a look at the cultural backgrounds, to me at least, really colors the pages of the Bible and, and just gives that extra layer of interest and understanding. So I hope it does the same for you. Which is what John is all about. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I, I, love, I love the book of John. I, I love it. I remember I went through this period of time when I thought, well, why are they always telling new Christians to read John? And then 
I went through the period of time. Now I understand why they're telling all the new Christians to read John, because it's a great book for that. Very, very good. And what are we doing? coming on the weekend. Yeah. In, in just a couple of days, we have a live in-person event at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario from 1 to 5.30 in the afternoon. So if you are in the area, please register. It's free to register. And come on out and meet us. I have a Bible study with us. We're each going to have a presentation, Q&A. We're also going to ask you questions like the Friday question here, but reverse. Reverse this time <laughs> and you may get something special if you get it right. I don't know. I don't know. It yeah. could happen. <laughs> we, now, we, we are going to stream it and on our website, but nevertheless, I was, I, I'm trying to keep that. I want more people to you know be there. You know we can't stream, though? We can't stream, uh, you know, when we're having coffee together and there you go. each other and you talking. can't stream that. Very true. can't stream that. That's right. <laughs> so I, I'd like you to be there. But if you're in Texas or you're in, uh, you know, somewhere in the UK or you're in somewhere in Africa or whatever, you can stream it. You can. So you anyway, that's good. All right, Ryan, go ahead. Okay, so my focus today is on John chapter 3, where Jesus is having a conversation with a very high-profile Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Jesus basically gives him the gospel message. But in verse 14, Jesus explains that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, Jesus here is referring back to the events recorded in Numbers chapter 21, where the Israelites were dying from venomous snake bites. And so God had Moses create a bronze serpent so that the Israelites could look upon it and be made well. Now, my segment today documents this event and also shows how this story might have influenced other mythologies. Check it out. For the wilderness-wandering Israelites, it had already been a long and arduous journey. But now they would have to travel from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea in order to go around Edom. The desert dwellers had had enough, and they complained against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. In response, the Lord sends fiery serpents among the people, and they bite them, and many of the Israelites die. These fiery serpents were venomous snakes with burning lethal bites, which quickly brought the Israelites unto repentance. And God, in his mercy, told Moses to mold a bronze likeness of a snake and place it on a pole so that anyone who looked on it would live. Curiously, this very real historical event recorded in the Bible may have actually influenced later mythologies. For example, the ancient Greco-Roman god of medicine is portrayed with a serpent-entwined rod, and the Greco-Roman god of commerce is portrayed with a double serpent entwined rod. Interestingly, both of these serpent motifs are commonly used today to symbolize the practice and profession of medicine, though use of the double serpent symbol, called the caduceus, is considered by many to be very inappropriate because of its association with the god of commerce, who is also known as the patron of lies, gamblers, and thieves, not to mention a conductor of souls into the afterlife. As Stuart L. Tyson quipped, as conductor of the dead to their subterranean abode, his emblem would seem more appropriate on a hearse than on a physician's car. Nevertheless, these emblems, or at least the single serpent emblem, seems to originate with Moses' bronze serpent. Another possible throwback to this biblical event is the Festival of Serpents. Each year around the beginning of August, the Festival of Serpents takes place in many regions of India. On that day, so say the devotees, cobras will not bite. Live cobras or their images are worshipped and handled. Snake worshippers also ritually feed sacred cobras reared in special shrines and even leave out milk as an offering to wild cobras. 
Of course, the true significance of the Israelites' bronze snake is that the enemy threat had been nullified. Ancient custom dictated that when a bitter enemy was killed, his head was severed from his body and put on a pole to show his utter defeat. Thus, the snake was lifted, signifying the enemy was rendered powerless. Jesus likens this incident to his own crucifixion. Satan thought his enemy was forever defeated, but then came the resurrection. So it's really very fitting that the image of a snake was erected on a pole since that enemy of the Israelites had been rendered powerless by God. Similarly, Jesus would be erected on a cross many years later, and Satan may have thought that he had him defeated. But of course, Jesus Christ conquered death and rose from the grave on the third day. And just as the ancient Israelites looked to the bronze snake and lived, so we too can look to Christ and live. Because he arose, we will too. So make sure to look to Jesus because he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. We, we have to understand that and come to Jesus. We've got to come to Jesus now. This is not the time to mess around because he's coming back soon. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ryan. Very good. Janice? And this whole chapter in John talks about the new birth. You get the terminology born again. And I find this chapter very endearing. This is, of course, where we get the famous John 3.16. You know, you'll watch uh, games. You don't see it as much anymore, sadly. But um, back when we were teenagers, it was not uncommon that at a football game or at some kind of event, there would be some person with a cardboard sign that would say John 3.16. And, uh, and, you know, it would always put a smile on your face. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And we see this religious man, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus at night. And I find that very endearing. Because this man was a Pharisee, but he knew, you know, it, it says this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, listen to what Nicodemus confessed to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, so Nicodemus was making this confession coming to Jesus, but he was still troubled. He needed to spend that time with Jesus. He, he needed to really know where Jesus was coming from at a personal level. He needed to be away from the clatter of the multitudes of people that always thronged around Jesus, that were always there because they had heard and seen that Jesus could heal the sick. He could make the lame walk. He could, he could make blind eyes see. He could, he could, he could cast out demons from people. There was always something going on around Jesus. There was always these signs that were happening. But he wanted that personal time. He wanted to be able to sit with Jesus and ask him questions and, and hear right from Jesus' mouth, right from Jesus' heart, right from Jesus' words. And Jesus made the time for him at night in the quiet. And that's just like each one of us, isn't it? <laughs> that's just like each one of us. You know, 
We could go to church, a church service or a revival service or something, and there might be a call and, and after hearing a message and, and there's a bunch of people that go up and, and just because everybody around you is giving their heart to the Lord, you feel that pull to go up too. But it was more about what the group did. That's okay. But it becomes very personal. It becomes very personal like what Nicodemus did with Jesus. He had seen He had heard, but now he needed really to know who Jesus was at a personal level between Nicodemus and his Lord. He needed to know, and Jesus took that time and explained to him the process of being born again, what that meant and what that required. Are you willing to give that time to the Lord? Because he's willing, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to him. You may have seen, you may have heard, you may have listened to us. And you, there's something in your heart that believes, but you're not sure. Go to God. Ask him. Talk to him. Spend time with him in prayer. He will meet with you. He's waiting to meet with you. It's very important. Don't put it off. As you've heard us say before, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised the next minute. Don't put it off. It's so worth it. Be born again. You're not going to be perfect right away. You're not going to know the Bible. Everything. You're not going to know all the answers right away. You're going to be like a babe, a new baby. You're going to learn how to walk for the Lord. You're going to know how to talk. There's things that you're. he's going to teach you as you follow him. And it's wonderful, it's difficult, but with God's help, and he promises never to leave you, he promises to help you, it's going to be an amazing walk with God. And one day, because of what Jesus did, you will have eternal life, and we will live with him forever. That's our hope. His name is Jesus. Meet with him today. Last few days, October 21st is a few days away and I look forward to seeing you there uh, at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario, just north of Toronto. And uh, you can come from wherever you wanna come from and join us there. And we're very, very interested in meeting you and knowing you. Wanna register at our website, uh, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and register so we can know you're coming, prepare for you. Today we pray, Lord, I need you to hear my heart. My heart is broken and I need you in my heart, amen.